0: This is a word a podcast from slate i'm your host jason johnson football legend deon sanders shook the college football world by announcing that he's leaving historically black jackson state university to coach at the university of colorado is sanders a smart operator or a sellout
1: and what does the move mean for black college athletics i can't deny you know this idea that he's he's human right and you know if there's a better offer he has to take that under consideration
0: Deion Sanders and the future of black college athletics coming up on a word with me, Jason Johnson. Stay with us. Welcome to A Word, a podcast about race and politics and everything else. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. Hall of Fame football star Deion Sanders shook the world of college sports in 2020 when he announced that he would coach the struggling program at Jackson State University in Mississippi. Sanders brought major recruits, on-field success, and a national spotlight to the JSU Tigers. Sanders described taking on the job at Jackson State as a religious mission in a 60-minute interview earlier this year.
2: I truly believe with all my heart and soul that God called me to collect. And I had to accept the charges. You accepted the charges. I had to accept the charges. But understanding when you accept those type of charges is going to cost you something. What's it cost you? A lot of sleep. But I can't say I don't love it. I love every darn minute of
0: it. Well, now Sanders is taking his love of the game to the University of Colorado. And that's left fans of JSU football and of historically black colleges and universities devastated. Some critics are calling him a sellout, while other folks are supporting his decision to take a huge jump in salary and resources. But why did the loss of Deion Sanders at JSU spark a national conversation anyway? And what does it say about the future of HBCUs, specifically in athletics? Joining us to talk about it is Billy Hawkins. He's a professor at the University of Houston and author of The New Plantation, Black Athletes, College Sports, and Predominantly White NCAA Institutions. Billy Hawkins, welcome to a word. Thank you, Jason. I'm glad to be here. For people who don't know much about college athletics, what did having Deion Sanders as a coach mean to Jackson State University?
1: Like, what did that actually just mean? Well, I think it meant a lot of things. Um, It still means a lot of things. I think, number one, when you have uh, an iconic, athletic, you know, figure such as Dion that has a, a persona and, you know, the credentials he's had, you know, playing professionally as well as collegiately, it means a lot. It brings a lot of capital, you know, social, cultural capital to Jackson State University and to the HBCU community?
0: I'm an NFL fan, right? So I know coaching matters. Coaching is huge. But what did he implement
1: for JSU that made a difference? When you talk about you know being a coach, there's a, a combination of things. There's va- a variety of different types of coaches, leadership styles, and I think Dion probably fits into a very charismatic leadership style, and that in and of itself motivates a lot of people. So regardless of your talent level as a player, you will want to bring your A game or A plus game every time. So I think he has that ability to motivate you know players that aren't necessarily five star athletes, players that you know necessarily couldn't make it to the to the next level to a power five conference so he brings that type of you know motivation that you know again that charisma to bring players you know to another level to you know increase their you know playing abilities so that's that's tremendous when you talk about you know um the talent level that you have to work with at some of these institutions what
0: are the differences in resources that hbcus athletically have versus predominantly white
1: institutions It's tremendous. If you were to think about the number one uh, revenue generating team uh, or university uh, athletic-wise in the nation, it's Oregon at number one. And you're talking about $391 million is their operating budget, okay? The nearest HBCU falls around 18.7 million. You're talking a- apples and oranges, right? You're talking. And who is that? Is that Fam You? Prairie View is the, uh, the highest ranking, I think, of the HBCUs. So, and, and then from there, you know, you have a, a cluster of HBCUs falling around 18 million, 17 million. But, you know, you're comparing 300 million. Right. <laughs> to eight, you, you have a lot more resources. You have a lot more when you talk about facilities and, um, and just, you know, you talk about support in general. It's a tremendous amount of difference. Sanders' time at
0: Jackson State University was chronicled in a barstool sports series called Coach Prime. Here's a clip where he's talking with some of his players.
2: We have an expectation. I know some of y'all don't have an expectation in yourself because it's been such a long time since you really excelled and you really called. But we have an expectation of dominance. We have an expectation that we're going to go to the next level. We have an expectation that we're going to win. I have an expectation that I want you to go pro. I'm sitting on interviews all day talking about y'all. Talking about y'all. Talking about the expectation. Talking about what we're capable of doing. But some of y'all got to really get serious and focus Because that draft is going to come and go. And you have no plan for life. You have no plan for life. You have nothing. If football don't work out, what
0: you going to do? What's sort of the difference in how an HBCU mentors and talks to their athletes as opposed to a predominantly white institution? Because as nice as that speech is from Dion, I think almost any coach could give you that speech. Almost any coach today who cares about their team would say, do you all have a plan if this whole football, basketball or soccer thing doesn't work out?
1: The difference is the context, you know, the HBCU context is different in terms of nurturing the holistic perspective of not only the black athlete but also the the black student. You don't necessarily have a sort of this cadre of leadership to help nurture that whole person at PWI. So I think the context makes a a big difference when you talk about um, that speech, right? Because I'm quite sure they're hearing it in the classroom. You know, there's this, you know, a consistent type of message that's being received or being presented at HBCUs that's not at PWI's.
0: We're going to take a short break and we come back more on Deion Sanders race and coaching in college sports. This is a word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. This is Jason Johnson, host of A Word, Slate's podcast about race and politics and everything else. I want to take a moment to welcome our new listeners. If you've discovered A Word and like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know what you think by writing us at slate.com. Thank you. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about Deion Sanders' decision to leave Jackson State football with Professor Billy Hawkins. For some folks, Deion Sanders leaving Jackson State calls to mind another notorious departure of a very famous sports star. The answer to the question everybody wants to know. LeBron, what's your decision?
1: Um, In this fall, man, this is very tough. Um, In this fall, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and um, join the Miami Heat. Miami Heat.
0: That was the conclusion you woke up with this morning. That was the conclusion I woke up with this morning. You know, some people are making the comparison between Deion leaving Jackson State and LeBron leaving Cleveland. I'll say this. I think they're vastly different, right? To me, LeBron James was leaving a a large business and choosing to go someplace else where he would be more successful. Whereas Deion Sanders literally said that God brought him To come in and take care of black people in HBCUs and that the white man's ice water ain't colder. And then the moment he had a chance, he went to another school. In your view, do you see these things as similar? Because there are some people who say, hey, look, it's simply a black man trying to find a better opportunity in sports and, and we're holding Dion to an unfair double standard.
1: In terms of Dion and, you know, it sort of borders on the Messiah complex, you know, in in terms of how he was, you know, sort of received this message and was sent to Jackson State as a savior. And I think that's prevalent in black communities. You know, we have not only a Messiah complex, but we have this Messiah fixation where we're looking for these types of leaderships, you know, charismatic leaders to come up and to save us, right? That weighs a lot. And, And, you know, especially when you talk about the religious fervor of black communities, right? When you talk about God said something, you know, and here we have a community that take God's word serious, and those who are sent by God, we we take that serious. So you know when you weigh that in, I think there is some uh, you know significant difference when we talk about Dion and um, LeBron James. Now, the thing that I think is important, right, we're talking about athletes migrating, you know, even at the high school level, we have this migration that's taking place at an early age, but definitely at the collegiate level now, especially when you talk about the transfer portal, athletes are migrating here and there across the country. The years of Eddie Robinson are gone with, you know, a coach that stays 57 years, you know, and the same thing with players, you know, professional players stand on a team and building a dynasty. It's very rare, you know, so there's this tremendous... Amount of migration that takes place, and we're dealing with these capitalistic owners and operation when we talk about professional sport as well as collegiate sport. And you know, I can't deny, you know, this idea that he he's human, right? And there's a better offer. You know, he has to take that under consideration. And I can't say that God didn't say, you know, move to Colorado, right? You know, if he God gave him one mission, he could have gave him another. <laughs>
0: So you were quoted as saying that Black colleges have an expectation, one that's out of step with other programs, that successful coaches will stay for a long time. Um, One, where do you think that expectation comes from? And two, in the case specifically of Deion Sanders, he wasn't there that long. He was basically there for just two years. Do you think that if he had stayed maybe just four, maybe just so his son could graduate that there would be less consternation on the part of many fans, both at Jackson State
1: and at other HBCUs. I think it would have weighed differently in his favor, you know, if he would have stayed, you know, um, obviously been successful and at least saw several of the guys he recruited, right, that had transferred to graduate through the HBCU system. I think it would have meant something different. He probably would have always came up under criticism because um, again, if God sent him there, he's supposed to be there to stay and to stay indefinitely until again God releases him. That's the uh, sort of this, you know, paradigm we're operating in. I don't know if um, staying longer would have, you know, prevented this criticism, but definitely when you think about this loyalty that supposedly endemic at HBCUs, it is deconstructed when we look at the De- Deion Sanders movement. Why do you think within our community there's a belief that? Hey, you have to be loyal
0: to institutions that can't support you, whereas we're perfectly comfortable with black folk jumping from place to place in a professional environment.
1: When you think about HBCUs and sort of the, the history of HBCUs, there is a sense of loyalty that um, is pervasive, right? And if you're there, you're, you're, you're there, you're meant to be there, and you're there to, you know, and, and obviously to motivate youth um, to, to be better and to be pretty much more productive citizens. At a PWI, because we look at it purely as a business operation, PWI athletics, it's, it's purely a business operation. So, you know, the firing of coaches come with the territory. I don't know if we... And this has been one of the fallacies with um, the transitioning of a lot of HBCUs. They haven't taken the business aspect seriously enough. Um, and definitely in terms of being able to generate revenue and be um, sustainable as an athletic department. And if you know, if they want to be successful, right? And you know, especially when you talk about generating revenue, bringing in sponsors, um, treating it as a business, maybe the model they have to take and. Cutting people loose when they're not being successful, or not necessarily recruiting successfully, winning the right bowl games, championships—that may be the model they have to take. You know, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. You know, this this corporate athleticism that um, is, you know, sort of pervasive at PWIs—I don't necessarily agree with that because, again, the context is totally different when you look at um, HBCUs, and it should be different. Mm-hmm.
0: We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more about Deion Sanders and Black College sports with Professor Billy Hawkins. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned.
1: Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6,000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
0: You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today we're talking about college football coach Dion Sanders and the future of black college athletics with Professor Billy Hawkins. One of the things that Sanders is credited with doing – is getting big-time high school talent to seriously consider Jackson State in particular, but also HBCUs overall. How do you think this is going to affect recruiting at HBCUs, not just at Jackson State, but across the MEAC and the SWAC and the
1: CIAA? One of the things that we have to think about is the timing of Deion Sanders and his ability to attract those players. Now, there was a movement, a shift of Black athletes, uh, you know, that were beginning to transition to HBCUs because of the the radicalization of white supremacy, you know, and the rise of white nationalism and, you know, all of the hostility that was taking place. He sort of caught that wave, right, where there were these athletes that were thinking HBCUs, you know, be a better place, better environment, you know, don't have to deal with, again, the micro aggression, racism, you know, the, the fear of life, you know, on these predominantly white campuses. I think that will continue as long as, you know, we have this, this you know, uh, resurgence of white supremacy, right? Resurgence of white nationalism, I should say. However, he, he's left a void, right? So there has to be, you know, a, a, a coach of his caliber, you know, it's when you talk about personality, you talk about charisma, that can continue to attract those type athletes. So I think, you know, that is the most important thing is, you know, he set a model, he's created this model, and hopefully there are other coaches that will also take the lead and continue to recruit those athletes, especially when you talk about, you know, challenging the conferences to increase revenue, revenue sources so that they can compete with some of the PWIs that they're losing these athletes to. So Deion
0: Sanders goes to Jackson State. He does great. He wins a ton of games, only has five losses, goes to championships. That's wonderful. Now, Professor Hawkins, he's at the University of Colorado. This is a team that was 1-11 last year, hasn't been successful in a long time. What does a good year for Deion Sanders look like? Because he's not going to be supported by HBCU culture anymore. They ain't going to be people swag surfing in the crowd the way they were down in Mississippi what has he got to do next year in the Power Five Conference for this move to make sense?
1: I think he'll probably have a, a honeymoon phase, right? Maybe six months of honeymoon phase, you know, and, and, until about October. And he has to be successful. Coming out the gate, he has to be successful. He has to be able to at least, you know, um, take this team above 500 uh, his first year. And I'm thinking, you know, in terms of being able to nurture the support he needs from donors, from you know, obviously the student body there, I, th- I think he has to, you know, sort of win them over, you know, and I think he's been doing that, you know, there he's, it's been up and down, it's been a roller coaster way, you know, he's caused some friction, obviously with players leaving, but that's typical when a coach comes in. So I think if he, you know, sort of is able to produce and deliver, right. He's able to win over and to, you know, cause you're talking about a, a community that, um, even though they produce, some high caliber black athletes. I don't know if they've had any black head coaches. I don't think you I mean, may be the first, right? So that is a you know tremendous amount of burden that he's you know having to you know you know weigh you know, carry um, coming into that type of system. So again, he has to be successful.
0: Back in 2020, Deion Sanders said that George Floyd's murder, in part, not in total, but in part, inspired his decision to coach at an HBCU. Is there anything? In this sort of post-George Floyd world that still remains in sort of HBCU culture that will last beyond this, right? Is there still something there where people are saying, you know what, I still see these places of value. I still see meaning in these institutions. I still see as a, a large corporation a value in investing in these institutions because of George Floyd. Or do you think Dion leaving is sort of the internal
1: sign that like, okay, this is over and now we're back to status quo? No, I, I think, you know, he's, he's probably just a little glitch, you know, and, and significant, obviously. But most of my research centers around PWIs, predominantly white institutions and HBCUs and looking at sort of the difference between um, black athletes and predominantly white institutions and black athletes at HBCUs. And I think the most important thing is looking at how black athletes that transfer from predominantly white institutions to HBCUs, how they feel a sense of community. They feel, uh, you know, a sense of belonging at these institutions. They talk about the different coaching environments where coaches are, you know, much more father figures in terms of their nurturing and mentoring. And I think these are some important things that we have to take in consideration when we talk about the significance of HBCU athletics. You know, athletes that are you know, conscious and want to, you know, sort of play in an environment that they don't have to, you know, worry about, you know, again, racism overt, covert racism. I think they want to have that type of experience as well as students, a lot of bodies. So I think the significance of HBCUs will remain because again, until uh, white supremacy is eradicated, you know, we, we, we're definitely going to need black institutions, right, to to not only um, instill in black people their worth. Right. But also to educate a population that PWIs can't or, or won't. Billy Hawkins is
0: a professor of health and human performance at the University of Houston and the author of the book, The New Plantation, Black Athletes, College Sports and Predominantly White NCAA Institutions. Professor Billy Hawkins, thanks so much for joining me on a word. Thank you, Jason. And that's a word for this week. The show's email is a word at slate.com. This episode was produced by Christy Taiwo Macanjula. Ben Richmond is Slate's Senior Director of Operations for Podcasts. Alicia Montgomery is the Vice President of Audio. Our theme music was produced by Don Will. I'm Jason Johnson. Tune in next week for a word. This is the
1: story of the
2: one.